0: and hi friend i hope you're well (laughs) welcome to another episode of meditation essentials with your brother el shakar this will be the fourth episode that we're having and today we're going to be talking about something very interesting and something very practical i believe it's good to say that it is important that we remember that When it comes to the subject of meditation and meditative practices or any form of spiritual practice whatsoever the very name describes what it is it is a practice it is not just information because sometimes speaking on subjects that are supernatural spiritual in nature have a way of causing wanton excitement it has a way of scintillating the senses and um Sometimes we just stop there. Excitement is very important for learning. Actually, excitement is a very crucial aspect of learning. When excitement fades away from learning, then there's only a matter of time before learning itself fades away. So excitement is a very crucial aspect. Nevertheless, it is but an incentive for what ought to actually be done. So beyond the realm of just being informed by things or about things, There's a need to put them into practice that our knowledge might not just be intellectual, but it becomes functional and experiential and that is the purpose of this podcast series to teach us practical things that we can apply to our spiritual walk to bring about definite changes in our lives. And today we're going to be talking about sacred spaces sacred spaces, or we can also say consecrated spaces. This should not in any way sound strange to any single one of us. It is not new that in every religion of the world, every religion of the world, everywhere you go to, there is something that is called the temple. And of course, it is well known that the temple, first of all, the architecture of the temple is somewhat different than buildings in the vicinity forget about the way churches or temples are built in this day and time back then they were built with a certain degree of meticulousness and intentionality and also a very heightened level of accuracy I mean one of the very first examples we have is of the tabernacle that was built in the Bible um, by Moses well by Moses and Bezaliel. But of course, Moses was the one who received the template from heaven and he transmitted the instructions to Bezaleel, who then proceeded to build the tabernacle according to the vision dimensions that God had already revealed to Moses, causing one to understand that it was no ordinary place. The mathematical measurements, the alignments, the accuracy was not plainly for aesthetics because we're in a time where people are lovers of aesthetics but haters of function. <laughs> if that's the right word. Lovers of aesthetics and haters of function. Aesthetics only has value when the functionality has already been established but of what use is something aesthetical if it is not functional, right? So the tabernacle of Moses was not only aesthetical, it was very functional. And it was built in such a way that that seemingly simple tabernacle could inhabit a certain degree of the presence of God. And as we all well know, the Tabernacle was broken into three parts, the outer court which is a place where people come to and the sacrifices are made on behalf of them or their families for their repentance etc etc then we have the holy place which only the priests could enter into and of course it was a place where they stayed before going out to the outer court to minister to people And then we have the innermost place of the tabernacle, which is the Holy of Holies, a place where only the high priest of Israel could enter into. And it was in that place that the tabernacle, the Ark of Covenant was seated and the Shekinah glory of God completely radiated in in a way so intense that if one who was not properly purified Entered into certain death was guaranteed for him and that was the case of Israel at the time and that concept of a place that is sanctified for a specific kind of use was not in any way strange at all to the men of old and was absolutely crucial for their spiritual practice having a place that is consecrated in a certain kind of way for a certain kind of work as a matter of fact the same way a temple is consecrated or we can say set apart for a specific use is the same way a holy man as well is called holy the word holy is from the hebrew word kadosh which literally means set apart what is the essence of setting one apart it is to prepare them For a certain kind of use, certain kind of function, a certain kind of application. If we're to bring it to common terms, we can say that a doctor is set apart, right? He's consecrated by the medicinal practice, learning, etc. For the use of medicine, a lawyer is also set apart in in the manner of speaking. And he's consecrated in the teachings of law and justice, etc. And he's set apart for the use of, well, the work of law, yeah? And he's set apart for the use of, well, the work of lawyers, right? <laughs> and so on and so forth. Footballers are consecrated for the, for, the, for the sport of football. Basketballers are consecrated for the work of basketball, and so on and so forth. That is a simple way of understanding what the Bible means by set apart. But of course, we understand That the one who is anointed by God, he's set apart for uses far more sophisticated than just banking, football, etc. Yes, it is possible for the anointing, the consecration, to express itself through football, through banking, through medicine, etc. But fundamentally, the anointing of God, the setting apart of God, is a much more sophisticated and much more superior consecration. So when we talk about sacred spaces, a sacred space is just like a man who is consecrated for medicine or a man who is consecrated for the priesthood. A sacred space is somewhere that is consecrated for a specific kind of use. And we lay emphasis on the word specific kind of use. Where that environment is arranged and curated in such a way that it can support certain practices. In a nutshell, every environment we live in is consecrated in this or that way, for this or that thing, for good or for evil. Because life fundamentally is energetic in nature. Everything around us is all energy. Even a physical body, scientifically speaking, our physical body is nothing but energy concentrated in a small space. Literally every single one of us are energy condensed. Our table is energy condensed. Our cups are energy condensed. Our beds, our bottles, our television sets are all energy condensed. So all around us is energy and of course we being human beings who not only possess a physical existence but also a psychological and spiritual existence are very much energetic beings and in different ways or forms we emanate this or that kind of energy now we talk about a consecrated space It is a space where the energy has been curated in such a way to help people carry out certain kinds of activities. I'll give a very simple example of a consecrated space that will help us to have some level of grasp of this subject, which is very simple to understand, but rather difficult to put to practice. A club, a nightclub where people go to drink, where people go to find who they're going to have sex with, where people go to show off their material prowess. is a kind of consecrated space. Everybody that comes into that place emanates a kind of energy into that club, that nightclub. And of course, they emanate the energy of lust because everything you think, everything you feel is not isolated within your physical body. As a matter of fact, it spreads out all over the surrounding environment and actually latches itself upon things around you. So your emotions, your thoughts are not isolated within you, as we've touched briefly on in the past. But like I said, we'll be developing this conversation more and more as we proceed. So you enter into a room, you're feeling happy, sad, drowsy, whatever it is you're feeling. And you're thinking this or that, whatever it is you're thinking. All those thoughts and feelings are not bottled up within you. As a matter of fact, they are spreading themselves all over your surrounding environment. And in a sense, they are sticking themselves to the walls, to the chairs, to the tables of that environment. So the nightclub, for example, if people go there every other day. I don't know, some clubs don't open every day, but let's say every other day. And everyone who comes there feels intense lust, feels intense greed. Whether from showing off their money or being offended by seeing people spending money. And maybe they also feel intense rage because of alcohol and pride sets in and all these things. So the nightclub is a place that has been consecrated with so much negative energy. And like I said, a consecrated space or a sacred place is somewhere that has been arranged or curated in a way that it can support a certain kind of practice. So for example, in the nightclub, because that atmosphere has been utterly charged with vibrations of lust of greed of jealousy of pride of anger that environment becomes like a demonic temple i don't mean to sound very religious because very you know in in religion there's that you know swiftness to use demon (laughs) for everything you know But in truth, the vibrations of lust, of envy, of jealousy, of greed, of avarice, are demonic in nature, quite frankly. One doesn't have to have horns on their head to manifest demonic qualities. And what is a demonic quality? It's a quality that devours, that takes, that steals. And an angelic quality is a quality that blesses, that saves, that lifts up. That's a very simple way to understand the demonic quality and an angelic quality, right? So in that place that is charged with all forms of vibrations, of pride, of anger, of jealousy, of lust, of greed, of all these things, it becomes something similar to a demonic temple that makes it easier to carry out works of a demonic nature. That's why you spend time in a space like that, which in a sense is consecrated for evil. Lust is so easily achieved, right? In a nightclub where the whole atmosphere is charged. Because understand, 100 people in a room, physically speaking, as they breathe in, breathe out, they are... are, I mean, if you put everyone in a room... Well, there's no air conditioner right there's no outlet there's no ventilation and everyone breathes in breathes out physically speaking that atmosphere will soon become choked with so much carbon dioxide which is an, an is something we expel from our bodies that same principle physically where the room can become permeated by carbon di- carbon dioxide is the same mentally and emotionally Because we don't only breathe in, breathe out physically. We also breathe in and breathe out psychologically. As I'm speaking right now, you're listening to me. You're listening. Is you breathing in, right? When you process it within yourself and then bring it out, whether in the form of speech or action, that is a form of breathing out. Even if you don't say it externally, just the very thought of it is also a form of breathing out and it radiates in the environment around you. So, you must understand that a room full of 100 people is not only permeated by carbon dioxide, it's also permeated by their feelings, by their thoughts. And if it so happens to be that all these people are of a negative type, without a doubt, that environment will be absolutely saturated with the negativity of their thoughts and feelings. And anyone who enters into that atmosphere is as though you have entered into a Wi Fi coverage. <laughs> wi-fi coverage of evil where the connection is 5g (laughs) and because they've all charged that atmosphere with their lust their greed their jealousy their pride their anger it becomes so easy to be angry so easy to be lustful because that environment has been curated in such a way that it can support the work of lust. It can support the work of anger. That's why in such a place fights break out so easily. Because that atmosphere, with or without them knowing, has been charged in a certain kind of way. And when we talk about sacred spaces, it can be charged or curated consciously it can be charged or created unconsciously the priests for example in the old testament they charged the temple consciously there were specific actions that they carried out daily there were specific rituals that they continued to do every day to make sure that the energy of the temple is not tainted is not disturbed it was a conscious effort a deliberate effort that they had to do to maintain the integrity of the energy of the temple when a place like a nightclub for example most people they are just unconscious people naturally they're unconscious of their greed unconscious of their loss everything that they do is done in a very unconscious and absent-minded manner nevertheless like I said meditation fundamentally is well can be broken down to a number of things one of them is focus and focus can be broken down to consistency in thought, consistency in attention, and consistency in action. Now we're such a place where people go, and whenever they're there, all they're thinking about is oh my goodness, how I can sleep with this nice looking girl, how can I how can I how I can sleep with this good-looking, handsome, rich man, how I can show the next table how I'm richer than them by popping more bottles and all this nonsense that people do. When their heart is constantly fixed on that unconsciously, a kind of meditation is happening because they are intensely fixing themselves in that particular direction and in doing so, They are supplying a unique kind of charge to that immediate atmosphere where they play, enjoy themselves, and have fun, etc. And they charge that place with that energy. And because they do it over and over again, you know, they go there every other day, every other day. So in a sense, the same way the priests go to the temple every day and carry out certain rituals. They themselves in the same way go to that club every day and unconsciously carry out the same rituals and keep that charge of the nightclub and makes it a very polluted space that anyone who enters there becomes instantaneously impregnated by that energy now based on the basic law of relativity it is very clear that if something is true for evil is also true for good and vice versa because it's the way that God has just created the world right Whatever is very efficient in good has the potential to also be very efficient in evil as well. A doctor who is very much capable of saving life has an impeccable knowledge on how life can be taken. And this is something that cannot in any way be denied. So in the same way, a nightclub, just based on the continuous feelings, thoughts that are poured into that place, the way it is charged with that kind of energy, is the same way a temple is also charged with a certain kind of energy. And there's a reason why, especially in temples, serious laws are given, especially in temples because they're trying to maintain a certain kind of energy. Literally, that temple is like a flash drive that contains a kind of data that they don't ever want to be corrupted. It is literally a building that has the memories of the purity of God's nature, spirit and essence concentrated in one space and they do not want in any way for that to be tainted. So, they have to carry out certain disciplines every day. Some temples, they light candles in the morning. It's not necessarily about lighting the candles, as some people think, you know, people who don't understand spiritual things. When they see people lighting candles on the altar, for example, in some churches, etc. People think, oh, they're worshipping fire. That's that's foolishness, right? What is actually happening? That attitude of devotion, to wake up every day, light the candles, and pray around that altar is not the altar that is being worshipped what is happening every time one kneels in front of that altar and prays there's a certain kind of emanation that comes out of them that latches itself upon that place that that place becomes a recharge station Where every day that they go in the spirit of devotion, they light the candles, they clean the place, they change the waters, they arrange the table, etc., etc. Every day that that is done, it's almost as though they make that environment to begin to meditate. Because that's actually what's happening. A temple is a building that is meditating. (laughs) If this can be understood, because that's actually what it is. I was trying so hard not to have to say that because it might be confusing, but we have to understand these things. A temple is a building that is meditating. Remember, meditation fundamentally can be described as focus. Focus can be broken down into three things. Consistency in thought, consistency in attention, consistency in action. Now, when a particular building continues and is consistent in emanating a certain kind of energy over and over and over and over and over and over over again, the building is actually in a state of meditation. And to inject a contrary energy into that building is to break the meditation that is happening you know how someone is praying and that you're not supposed to disturb them because in that moment they're connecting to God? That's how those buildings are. And when they say, don't speak foul language, don't carry out bad deeds here, it's because that act you're doing is going to affect the meditation of that building because you're injecting a contrary energy or a contrary force into that space that has been consecrated for certain use. Even a supermodel, right? because of the nature of their job and because of how their bodies have to look on camera they are not allowed to eat certain kinds of foods they can eat cakes they can eat pizzas candies all these things that are that have saturated fats etc etc So much so that some of them in order to enjoy the pleasure of cakes and burgers without facing the consequences of it they will eat the burger And after they swallow it, they will now poke their throats to puke it out. Many models have done this before. So they enjoy the pleasure of the burger, of the pizza, of the sandwich, etc. but they don't want the consequence of fat. (laughs) So after swallowing it, they poke their throat and puke it out. Why? Because their body has to be in a certain state of meditation where it maintains a particular diet. It focuses on it. It does not break the diet in order to maintain that slender figure that has become desirable in the fashion industry. In a sense, is a kind of meditation. I'm just saying this for us to start to understand how meditation can express itself in a myriad ways, right? So in a sense, she's consecrating her temple for a particular kind of use, right? Women who make prostitution of their physical bodies consecrated in a certain kind of way. You know, they fix their breasts, they fix their bums, they fix their waist, etc. They fix their eyes, they fix their cheekbones, fix everything in order to make that temple a haven where we can say demonic activity can happen. <laughs> and men are no different as well. Once upon a time, my own individual life the only reason why i went to the gym was in order to be sexually attractive to women and have them look at me when i walk past and just desire me sexually and in a sense i was consecrating my temple for a certain kind of use and of course beyond that just the very thoughts of sex 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 that is continually projected from my being it actually now begins to envelope me right and this is how people become you know for women they will call them women who are very very um, who have a high sex appeal it's not just a physical appearance it's also the thought frequency that they continue to project if the person's physical appearance is desirable and their thought frequency is of a lossful nature when people come around them, they just feel magnetized to them without being able to explain. Not knowing that it's not just the first person's physical appearance, but also their psychic atmosphere is charged with so much lust. They now become a temple of lost. That the moment you come around them, <laughs> it just extracts lost out of your body. You can't even once you once you just talk. Once it just speak, once it just touch you, your whole body is vibrating, because they have charged their temple with a certain kind of energy, like sand. What is true for evil is also true for good as well. That's why when Jesus Christ will enter into a place, immediately the demons begin to scream because the energy emanating from his temple is so contrary to their being. That they lose all form of peace whatsoever and they enter into complete disarray and they scream, Son of God, what do we have in common? What do we have in common? What do I have to do with you? I'm tormented by your very presence because your energy is completely contrary to mine. And that's why someone who has spent time in the temple of God, in the church, that has a genuine energy, if they go to the club, they'll be very disturbed because it's disturbing them, because it's a contrary force. On the flip side, someone who has spent a lot of time in the club, not just a club, right? Because I don't want to sound too, you know... um, (laughs) If they spend time in brothels, in drug havens, in places where the energy is very negative... If they enter into a positive energy, a a place that has energy of a positive nature, they will also be very disturbed because it's contrary. So what is the purpose of talking about sacred spaces and understanding what a sacred place is and what a consecrated place is, space is? And how does it help our spiritual walk? How does it improve our prayer lives? I'm sure some of us in our experience can testify how for some reason, whenever we go to church or a particular church, prayer is so easy. The moment you just enter into that place, my goodness, prayer is drawn out of you. In the same way you enter into a house of lust and loss is drawn out of you is the same way you enter into a house of prayer and prayer is drawn out of you. You enter a place of discipline and order and integrity and discipline, order and integrity are drawn out of you. And every time you just go to that particular church, immediately prayer starts to happen. It's not difficult. Because you have entered into a building that is meditating. And because of the intensity of its meditation, just by you coming within its ambit, you were also forced into that meditation. (laughs) And it began to pull you in its own direction. It is possible are not only possible, but quintessential, that if we are not able to make the entirety of our home a sacred space, we should make a particular portion of our home a sacred space, consecrated for specific kind of use and have a genuine understanding That this particular room in my house, I want to make this room meditate on holiness, on purity, on love in such a way that if I'm down whatsoever, just by entering into that room, the continuous input of positive energy that I've put in that room begins to recharge me when I come in later. And every time we enter into that room, we enter there strictly for prayer. For prayer, for study, for devotion, for thoughts of beauty, for harmonious things. Because, like I said, everything that we conceive of in our thought life, in our imaginary life, in our emotional life, everything, all the activity, our mental and psychological activity, is not isolated within our body. It extends itself all around us and it begins to pour itself on the room. In the room, rather. Because the concept of breathing in and breathing out is not only physical. It is also psychological and spiritual. So every emotion that we bring out is like us breathing out. And it begins to permeate the psychological atmosphere of that room. And that's why some of us, the homes we live in, it's so difficult to pray, to read, because that home has been consecrated negatively. Where there's a lot of argument, a lot of fighting, a lot of strife, a lot of jealousy, ugly thoughts, lost, ugly thoughts. Your prayer will struggle without a doubt, because that environment has been curated for a different kind of practice than what you're trying to do. If you want to be angry, that environment will help you very well. And you find the day you want to get angry, you go from zero to 1,000 in a flash. But when you want to go from 1,000 to gentleness and meekness, you see, it's so difficult. Because that energy has been created for use, for a practice that is contrary to that of God and this is an understanding that we ought to have especially in the conversation of meditation if you have a particular place you sit to meditate to pray to worship to study because all these fall under the category of meditation you don't want an atmosphere that has become tainted by things of a negative type and if you do have such atmosphere it is worthwhile to begin carrying out intentional and deliberate works to change that energy in that place so that that environment can begin to support you rather than impede you because many of us don't know that as we have gone around our home all the time complaining, whining, depressed, this and that. Oh, nothing can go well. Oh my God, problem is here. Oh God, I don't have this, I don't have that. We have charged our house with that. Our whole house is charged with it. And that's why every time we come back home, it's so easy to be depressed. And the only time we're not depressed is when we're out of our house. Yeah, because you have consecrated your home with depression. You have made it a sacred place of depression. <laughs> you have consecrated that place for depression. And believe you me, anyone who comes into that place will feel themselves assaulted by the energy of depression that you have created in that atmosphere. And is even much more intensified where multiple people In the same place are projecting emotions, thoughts of a negative type. The whole space becomes very draining spiritually. Very draining. Every sacred space drains something. And every sacred space recharges something. And I want us to write that down wherever we are. Every sacred space drains something and every sacred space recharges something. So when you enter into the temple of God, whether it be a person or a space, like a physical space, if it's really charged in the right way, you find just by being there, you're already drained of your anger you're already drained of your pride, you're drained of your envy, you're drained of your lust and you find it so hard to harbor those things there because that environment is against not you but that and as it's draining all those impure qualities you also find that inversely it is recharging qualities of love, of meekness, of temperance, of humility, of patience, of justice, because every sacred space drains something and every sacred space recharges something. The ultimate sacred space that one can have is the very temple of their being. Let this be stated very clearly, unequivocally. The most important secret space you can have is your very being, where you yourself are a consecrated space for definite use. And you are the one that brings the positive charge to every atmosphere you enter into. But most of the time, that's not really the case. And that is why there's a need for sacred spaces. Sacred spaces could be anything. It could be a physical space, like a building, that has been consecrated in a certain kind of way. It could be a gathering of people, right? Because people say, oh, building doesn't matter, let's throw away building, it's just the people. There's truth in that and there's also a lie in that. And we must be careful as people to have sound, to make sure that there's sound understanding in everything that we're doing. And our doctrine is not one that throws away the baby with the bathwater, right? There's a sacred place, a sacred space with the people. That is, 10 people together, all emanating a certain kind of energy, become a kind of sacred space. For example, that's how riots happen, right? Five people come together, all producing violence, 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 violence. They become like a sacred space, like a kind of Wi-Fi coverage. Anyone who enters into their space becomes charged with that Wi-Fi. Now, 10 people now, violence, 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 violence. Before you know, those 10 people, invite another 10, now there are 20. Violence, 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 violence. Before you know, 500 people, all under the Wi-Fi of violence. That becomes a sacred space. And now, and now they're all charged with that energy to constitute evil in their neighborhood. So in that moment, those people together are a sacred space. But it is possible for a physical building Or a piece of land to be consecrated in a certain kind of way. We need to understand this as well. So that we have balanced understanding. For those who say, oh, throw away a building. No, this is stupid. Right? Stupid. And there must be a balanced understanding between the two. So that we know the place of this. And the place of that. There are times when the building does not apply. And we must know that. But the idea that the building never applies, it's, it's, let us undo that mindset. Because a building can be made in such a, why do you think, for example, some churches before the service, they go around praying on all the chairs. Why? They're trying to make every single one of those chairs a sacred space. Because they don't know who is coming. And they want to charge those chairs with a certain kind of energy. that the moment people sit down on them, they are already beginning to be diffused of all forms of negativity that it came in with so that the message of deliverance that will be shared that day might penetrate them easier. It's very intentional. Very intentional. You see ritualists as well, like babalawos or Herbal, uh, you know, witch doctors. They have their shrines. And it's consecrated in a certain kind of way. No one can enter anyhow. Because that place is supposed to maintain a particular energetic signature. That place is meditating. And unless your energy matches the energy of that shrine. If you enter there, you will spoil the meditation of that shrine. And that's why they say don't enter. And some are so intense. That if you enter there with an energy that is contrary, you are dead on the instant. And that's how it was with the Holy of Holies. Where the Ark of Covenant was situated. And the Shekinah glory of God permeated the room. If one entered there with a certain kind of impurity. The energy of that room. The meditation of that room. Will completely obliterate you. Completely. There will be no remnant left of you. That's how intense some spaces are and because of the reality of this this is how people begin to idolize physical spaces and that's the problem now that is that needs to be addressed because i'm sure some of us have heard about in some catholic churches how the statue of jesus christ will cry yeah it's not it's not a lie there have been instances where the statue will get up and pray beside you as you're praying in front of it (laughs) in the twinkling of an eye why if day after day week after week month after month year after year people kneel down around that particular statue and release vibrations of devotion of love all that energy concentrates itself around that particular statue and it develops a life of its own that those people have actually created and he develops an intelligence of his own that in a sense he can even start to speak either literally or by speaking by injecting you with a certain kind of energy some of some, some of those statues in the past they will go and pray in front of it and healing happens yes because it has been consecrated in a certain kind of way isn't it written in the bible that Paul's shadow was healing his shadow was consecrated They would just put their handkerchief on Paul and take it to another part of the country. They are healed. Yes, because the handkerchief became consecrated and it developed a new kind of life that could communicate with people. Communicate healing. Jesus Christ, a woman that was bleeding for 12 years, just touched the hem of his garment. She was instantaneously delivered from her ailment. Yes, because even his garment had become consecrated. His garment became a sacred space that by nature causes an undoing to any form of negative vibration, energy, spirit, whatever around. And please don't get too disturbed by uses of words like energy, vibration, etc. I'm not new age, right? But there are some words that are new, if I would say they're not new words, but they are they Express things much better When we talk about the word vibrate, right? The word vibrate is from a latin word vive which means life That's why in Spanish for example when you want to say long live the king you say viva la vida Viva la vida long live the king Viva la vida "vive." that's why when you say revive Revive. Revive. Vive means life. So from the word vive, life, we have vibra, which is the vibration, the motion of life. Do you understand? Vibra from (laughs) viva. Vibration. Talks about how for something to be alive, it must be moving. Right? For something to be dead, it must cease moving so when i talk about vibration i want us to understand i'm talking about the motion of something and it's 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 the best description for what i'm talking about so don't get too disturbed is it new age no please we use the words the way they're meant to be used and we're not afraid just because some foolish people use this does not mean now we throw everything away just because they use this oh because lgbtq are using the rainbow i should throw away the rim god forbid it is a powerful symbol given by god Representing the delivery of His sevenfold spirit to mankind. How then, because the LGBTQ community are using the six colors of the rainbow, I now become afraid. I don't use rainbow because of LGBTQ. God forbid. They do what they have to do. I do what I have to do. You see. So anything can become a sacred space. Anything. A person. That's why, for example, we have festivals, right? In Israel, they had many festivals, and that was a consecration of a period in time. So, even a period in time can be consecrated, but I wouldn't go into all of that today. Anything can become consecrated, anything can become sacred. But for us, we need to see how to begin to make our physical environment charge in such a way that it begins to bless us. Understand something. Initially, you put a seed into the soil, right? You are the one that produced the seed. For wherever you got it from, you put the seed into the soil. It then gives you a harvest of a plant or a tree, etc. Now, after you have done the initial planting, that same soil now starts to give you fruit and seed to plant again. So it's the same way. Because soil doesn't only exist physically. Soil also exists psychologically and spiritually. So your environment, spiritually speaking, is a soil. And whatever you're planting in that soil of your environment, your psychological environment, your spiritual environment, will give you a harvest. And some of us in our homes, from the seeds that we've planted of quarrels, of abuse, of insult, whether we said it outwardly or we said it inwardly, we have so many trees of bitterness in the in the spiritual atmosphere of our home that we don't know. That's why some of us, the moment we start to have some kind of spiritual awakening, the first thing we see is demons. Of course. Don't you know that was that was what that was that was what has been living with you? Why <laughs> I had many people that talk about that. I just laugh. Sometimes I don't explain it too much because I understand what's going on, but I don't have to freak people out. Yeah, what did you expect? Did you, <laughs> are you a saint? What were you expecting? <laughs> what we expecting to see in your environment? Huh? Where well, you spend the past one year of your life charging your home with, with pride and lust and greed. <laughs> what do you expect to see if your eyes open in the realm of the spirit? Do you think you're going to see a Jamaica? <laughs> of course not. Do you <laughs> of course not right because what we charge our environment with is what it feeds us back in return and we have to begin to treat our homes like temples where through our thought emanations and our words and our actions we charge them with a certain kind of energy that becomes like the planting of certain trees in our home That begins to yield fruit and harvest of the same energy that we planted into it. So when we release thoughts and feelings of love, of patience, of of wisdom, our home becomes charged with that. Or at least a room in our home becomes charged with that. That whenever we enter into it, it then gives us back that energy. And then we continue that same process of investment. Because you can't, it's not a one-day thing right, you have a company, you invest money into it, it gives you um, it returns, you invest again, and that's how it keeps on going and going and going and going, right, so your capital, you continue to reinvest it, right, you, you, after you sold your first batch of, of um, goods, you go buy them again, isn't it, sometimes you might even increase the buying, and so on and so forth, so it's not something you stop, right, the investment continues every day, and that's how it can keep on blessing you, so it's like business, Look at your home like an investment ground where your thoughts, your feelings are like capital that you're injecting in your environment. But what kind of capital are you injecting is the question. Because the capital, more often than not, determines the yield, you see. And this is so crucial to know and understand. So we need to have, like me, for example, I have a room in my home where I write, I pray. I'm recording this recording right now in that room and I'm sitting on the same chair. On the same chair, I pray on, I teach on, I study on, I cry on. It is charged. And the moment I enter here, I'm already I'm already enveloped by a certain kind of presence because I keep on recharging the place daily, daily, daily 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 it gets much deeper than this you see because i mean it gets much deeper than this right there are different levels of consecration or can get to a level where you can have a room in your home where no one whatsoever are meant to enter but those are much you know much more complex whatever, whatever because you start to engage certain dimensions of god that the particular space in your home becomes an embodiment of that force of God. And it is very volatile. It is easily dismantled in the sense that it, is, it doesn't like contrary things. And the moment something contrary enters, it, 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 it runs away. This is just me using metaphors to explain it. Because saying it runs away makes it look like it's a coward, it's weak, but that's not the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't, it, it doesn't wait to stay around rubbish. doesn't so once something funny enters it just runs away and the same is true for the kingdom of darkness as well that's why they have rooms nobody should enter inside because there's a force that is there something different enters it just runs away either it runs away or it destroys you whoever enters the room so there are potencies like that don't think it's only in the past don't 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 think like that these things still happen to now very much so don't don't think these are past stuff nevertheless the same principle that exists on a very high plane Exist on a simpler plane, which is what we're talking about right now. You can have a chair or even your bed. You close your eyes in your prayer, visualize your bed being wrapped by a bubble of light. It thinks they might sound silly, but these are very, very powerful things. As you pray every day, visualize your bed being wrapped by a bubble. For those of us who live in dorms, right? And you share a room with someone, consecrate that your corner. And if you do it every day, even if your roommate even has sex on their bed, the way you have consecrated that space of your bed, it will not be able to penetrate it. And the moment you lay down that bed, it begins to reimpregnate you with the same force that you put inside of it. Right? Because when we talk about God, God fundamentally is energy. I know because of New Age again, people when they hear God is energy, they say, "Ah, God is energy, God is spirit. You see, illiteracy can sometimes be the problem. What's the difference between energy and spirit? Are they not the same thing? If you look at it linguistically, energy and spirit are they not the same thing? A spirit is something that drives something. That way, say, Oh, I moved in the spirit of joy, I moved in the spirit of empathy. Spirit is a driver. Energy also is a driver. If you go on Google now, what is energy? You're going to see energy can be defined as the force, as the strength or vitality required to sustain activity. Google it, you're going to see that. Energy. Is the strength of vitality required to sustain activity? Now, what's the difference between that and spirit? It's the same thing. So, that argument oh, God is energy, oh, oh, it's energy, spirit, our energy is for new age. Illiteracy. But anyway, let's not be too hard on people because if you don't know, you can't know, right? So, now you know. So, that's, I'm just saying all this, so we are not worried and by words and give them the wrong definition, etc., etc right? Energy and spirit are the same thing. So if I say holy energy, I'm not wrong. In fact I'm very, very, very correct, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the very energia of God, the en- en- energy from the word energia or energia but it's energia force. So everything around us, has been charged with this or that type of energy, right? So there's also that place of being mindful of the kind of places we enter into. Because like I said, every sacred space, every consecrated space, drains you of something and recharges you with something. That's why Jesus Christ had to always go back to the mountain to recharge, right? Spending time around all these men for so long is very draining. When that lady touched the hem of his garment, and said, Ah, power just left me. Yes. It's draining to be around people that are negative toward you. When I mean negative, I'm not speaking about like bad people. I mean like, when I say they're negative toward you, I mean like they are, they are, their presence subtracts from you, doesn't add. So to Jesus Christ, they are negative. To them, Jesus is positive. So positive meaning his presence adds to their life. But to Jesus Christ in relationship to them, they subtract from Jesus Christ's life. So from Jesus' point of view, those people were negative. From their point of view, Jesus Christ was positive, right? So his presence added to their life. And of course, if his presence is adding to their life, it is subtracting from him, right? Because you cannot give something without losing that thing you are giving. So if I give you 100 naira, I'm losing 100 naira, right? So for every addition you give to someone, it's a subtraction from yourself. So being around those people for so long, of course, is constant subtraction, 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 subtraction. If he continues subtracting, subtracting, and he does not have a place where he goes back to recharge, then when he has been subtracted, all the goodness in him has been subtracted. Now, their demonic investment comes upon it. And this is why a lot of ministers fall, you know. When they give, 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 they serve, serve, serve. They pray for this person, pray for that person. They teach, 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 teach. But they do not recharge themselves on the altar. Well, just based on mathematics, it's only a matter of time before they enter into zero and in the minus region. Simple mathematics, you see. So, in the same vein, we have to have that place in our home that is. We maintain the charge, and we are religious about it. And you tell yourself, in this room, I will not shout. The same laws that you see them give in church. Even though the church, a lot of people don't really understand why these rules came into play, and even the deeper aspect of it is not known. But, the same kind of rules. In this room, no foul language. And the whole point of sacred spaces It's not just for you to be on your best behavior in that place. It's to teach you the way you behave in that place. Behave everywhere else. Because in truth, the entirety of the world is a temple of God. It's holy ground. Everywhere is holy ground. But people are not aware of that. So we have places like temples to cause that awareness to enter inside of us. That we can start becoming mindful of God's presence. But God's presence is everywhere. David said that, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. So there's no place that isn't filled with God's presence. But there are places that it's much harder or easier to feel God's presence. Nevertheless, God is everywhere. And to the one who is enlightened and mindful of God, everywhere is sacred. But that learning must begin from somewhere. I let it. Let us start with our home, our bedroom. Make it sacred, sacred. As you enter, I let a, a conscientiousness come upon you. I don't speak foully here. Foul thoughts. I don't even permit it. And very soon, you carry that thing with you out of that room everywhere you go. You don't open funny pictures. Nothing. Then you make that room become like a power station, that every time you enter there, you are recharged with the right energy because every sacred place drains you of something and recharges you with something. So if you have made your home in such a way that it's very negative from this recording, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to wake up one morning and you're going to Sweep your whole house, arrange it, and as you're arranging it, you're going to speak in tongues, and just be declaring over the room. And as you're speaking in tongues, praying over the room, you're going to visualize water cleaning your home. Carry out that exercise. It's a kind of deliverance of a space. Because it's not only human beings that deliver. delivered. I don't want to understand this. Deliverance also happens in spaces. That's what they call um, the expelling of, when you say a haunted house, hey, a haunted house is a place where it's so condensed, the negative force that is so condensed that it begins to take on materialization. And you even see the stuff in your dream, even without you being a sensitive person. But to someone who is sensitive, even if the room, just a small speck of whatever, if they light, like now for me, for example, not even not saying that I'm, I'm sensitive or anything like that, but for example, I'm very careful where I sleep, right? Because if I sit down in any and I just close my eyes to meditate, what is in that room? I'll, I'll see it for sure. For sure, for last, I was talking to my friend once because my house is close to the beach. The beach is just a stone throw from my house, literally like less than hundred meters. I was like, "Oh, have you tried meditating on the beach?" I said, "Hey, I'm not interested in it. <laughs> Why? Because I know what I'm going to find there. except I'm looking for it, and I'm not, I'm not really interested. You know, I'm not really interested for many reasons, many reasons, many reasons. You know, for you know, if you go there, you don't know that you. Many reasons. I, 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 you know, because I know what's, what I'm going to see there for sure. I know, right?" And I'm not trying to make any kind of unnecessary connection with some elemental water spirit. I'm not. Because many people don't know that. You just make an unknown connection. You've made a friend. Now, anyway, I don't want to go into all that today, you know. Because you can make a friend with a water spirit now. And some of them are not good. They're not evil. They're just what they are, right? And they believe all these, my friend, and they start to come to meet you and... Anyway, let's leave all those things. Someone who is sensitive when they enter into a negatively charged atmosphere, immediately they know. Whether they see it in the dream, whether or not they would know, and they just start to pray. That's why for us, when you enter a hotel room for the first time, you must pray. Touch everything in the room and pray over it because you don't know who was there before you. You just enter a hotel room, you just go and sleep. You move to a new dormitory, you just go and sleep. You go to someone's house, you don't say, Oh, he's my cousin. Don't you don't you don't know. Every space. Is consecrated in some way and every consecrated space drains you of something and recharges you with something you enter a space pray over it pray release that and beyond prayer the kind of thoughts you entertain are so important because what you have achieved through prayer for five hours you can undo with your thoughts because I mean how long is the prayer most of us don't pray for five hours anyway. Maybe the prayer is like twenty minutes, but your negative thoughts go on for twenty three hours. Pfft, come on, just by base of mathematics, <laughs> your thought and emotional life will cancel out what that prayer has done for sure. You know. So this is a habit I would invite us to adopt. Have a sacred space in your home. Remember, however, the most powerful sacred space. Is your very being. Not just your physical body, but your emotions and your mind and your spirit. Treat it like holy ground where you don't allow rubbish enter. The same way in temples, they don't allow rubbish enter. Treat your mind like that. That when rubbish starts to come to your mind, you just repel it. It'll make us very powerful people. So that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Meditation Essentials podcast. By God's grace, it will happen bi-weekly. But every week on this podcast channel, on the Heaven's Gate podcast, there will be a recording. Like this coming Friday, we're going to have a lecture on the second part of the Law of Karma series. And so every every other Friday, there will be a lecture which entails a lot of people in the classroom and everything. You can get the link to join the next one by checking my Instagram, etc. So every every other Friday, there will be a a lecture, which the podcast will be posted the following day or two days after. Then every other Monday, just like today, there will be a Meditation Essentials recording. So it's going to be like that. So every week, there will be something on this podcast very educational very encouraging very inspiring etc but this meditation essentials is just primarily me being here but the lecture recordings will be a whole classroom of people right and um that brings us to the very end of today's recording and um i hope we've learned something worthwhile and i hope more than anything that we've put all that was said into practice and don't leave it as just information in your head I wish you all a most favorable week. Who knows what year I listen to this. Maybe I listened to this in the year 2027. Well, God bless you. Greetings from 2022. (laughs) All right, people. Have a very good afternoon or good morning or good night or good year. Bye for now. I remain your brother and your friend. El Shakar.